Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Thank you this morning. Thank you, Father God, because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of Jesus. I pray this morning that you strengthen our heart in faith by revelation knowledge. That we're built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you on the prayer life of Jesus. The prayer life of Jesus. Now, I have always tried to make us understand that just as we relate to Jesus as our Lord, we must also begin to understand that there is the humanity of Jesus. That means that Jesus was 100% God and also 100% human. And from his human nature, there are certain things that we ought to learn, that God wants us to learn. Now, if you look at Hebrews chapter 5, let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. And we're going to read a couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 5. In, in, let's, let's start reading from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and gone astray, since he himself, listen to this, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Now, it says that in those days, in the days of the Israelites, the high priests were picked from among men. It's just like, um, as I am to you, I'm your pastor, because I'm your pastor doesn't make me superhuman. It's more like, out of every one of us, God picks me and says, hey, I want you to lead this congregation. It's like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's like you get, um, you're in your company and then there's a team, all right? So the team members want leader or want supervisor is picked. So the Bible says the high priest is also subject to the same level of weakness. That means, understand that through the humanity of Jesus, he was also subject to some of the things that we experienced. So for instance, you find out that Jesus ate, he was hungry, he was tired, and Jesus cried. So this helps him to be able to understand the feelings of our weakness or infirmity. So he says, because of this, verse 3, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sin. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So he used Aaron as an example of the high priest. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said to him, that's God saying to Christ, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever 
according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, in verse 7, which is where I really want to go, get into, it says, who in the days of his flesh. So I want you to observe that. He was talking about a particular period in the life of Jesus. And what period is that? If you study the book of Philippians and you see the mystery of godliness, the Bible says God was in flesh. Now, most of us haven't really understood this because it's almost like our Christian life, we, we live it as if it's impossible to live to perfection. But that's not the goal of Christ. The goal of Christ was to show us how to live. So, this particular verse in Hebrews chapter 7 was talking about a period in the life of Jesus. The Bible says, in the days of his flesh. So, we can say, in the days of his humanity. In the days where he was walking the earth, what happened? When he offered up prayers and supplications. So, you see, he had to pray to God. In the days he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was hurt because of his godly fear. So I want you to see the description of the prayer life of Jesus. The Bible says that he prayed and he offered up prayers with vehement cries and tears. With vehement cries and tears. I want you to see prayer life of Jesus. Even though he was God manifested on the earth, he wasn't just praying casually. His prayer life was intense. He offered up prayers to God with vehement cries and tears. And, and, and this morning, I want us to to look at our prayer life and, and compare it with the way Jesus prayed. That if this, the Son of God, our Redeemer and our Savior, could have this kind of prayer life. Because one of the things I realize is people say, well, I just pray quietly. I don't, you know, I just pray. I just thank my God. But I realize that if your prayer is heartfelt, it will move your body in a bit. If your prayer is intense, it will affect your posture. And, and, and I was sharing with, because I taught, I taught this message in Kenya, and I was sharing with them, it's something I'm beginning to practice. I, and as I study, I've been studying prayer. As I study prayer, I just began to realize that sometimes our posture in prayer is important. And one of the things that I'm, I'm deliberately doing right now is to just kneel down and pray. Because the act of kneeling itself is an act of what? Of humility. Just to kneel before the Father and pray. And I'm just uh, practicing it. To just go down on my knees when I pray. Because you know, some of these things we can overlook them. Or get too spiritual for them. And sometimes when we even find people kneeling in prayer, we just feel like, oh, that guy is not matured. By the time he's spiritually matured. He will just stand. And, and this, this posture of humility, of coming before the Father in reverence, and we see the prayer life of Jesus, that he offered prayers to God with vehement cries and tears. This was important to him. This was a heart-rendering prayer session in the days of his flesh. If Jesus prayed this way, <laughs> we don't have an option 
than to have an intense prayer life. Amen. I said amen. amen. Alright, let's, let's, let's look at Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And I want you to observe something there. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now it came to pass, as he was praying, as he was praying. Why did I start teaching this series? I observed that most of us are used to the miracles of Jesus. We're used to the miracles he performed, right? But most of us have not gone behind the scene to study his prayer life. Jesus had a very solid prayer life. It was consistent. And those are, it's just very practical. Those are the practical things I want us to pick. Look at this. As he was praying, as he was praying, in a certain place, when he ceased, meaning when he stopped, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So you realize that when they observed the way Jesus was praying, the disciples say, Master, teach us to pray. Now, you realize that certain things, I'll, I'll, I'll make a funny example, maybe it might not be funny, but certain things you were not taught, you just grew up doing them. So let me give you an example. For instance, uh, some of us were not taught how to beat. Your, your parents just baited you, baited you to the point where they couldn't beat you again, and then you just got into the bedroom, and, and you started beating. So for some of us, the sign of our beating is how much water hit the floor. So when they enter, you just hear, pash, 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 and then they come out. And for your children, you realize that sometimes you hear that rushing water sound, but when they come out, some parts are still dried. Have you, have you observed that? So you ask yourself, if this much water fell on the floor, where were you? You, 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 you realize that. But you know, especially uh, for, for some parents, then they take time to teach you and say, okay, when you're baiting, watch this place, pay attention to this place. Some of us were not taught where to pay attention to. What we just wanted was going, let me hear the water, come out, and we're good. Now, it's the same thing with prayer. Some of us in our Christian faith were never taught how to pray. We just heard people pray and we started praying. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, for instance, if, you, if, if my little daughter was here and we start praying, now she, she goes this way. All right, and she starts walking the floor, even though she doesn't know what we're saying, but she's walking the floor. Why? Because most times when I'm praying, I'm walking the floor. Okay? Now, now I'm, I'm learning to kneel more, so I kneel to pray. And you know what? She stopped walking the floor. She now kneels. So, now, I, if I don't teach her to pray, she will just pray whatever or however she sees me praying. It's the same thing. When you get to a church where they are killing and fighting, and, or, you know, shaking their head. You don't, you don't ask why. Why are we shaking our head? No, you just shake along. All right? <laughs> you just shake along. 
And then if you come to a church as quiet as ours when we are praying, uh, you just even keep quiet. Even though you, where you were coming from, you used to shake. You know? But when you come here once and, and we're praying, and then you see people praying very fantastic, casual prayers, Father, we just thank you. You know, after shaking once, you tell yourself, no, this is not a shaking place. <laughs> and, and you also just pick up and say, oh, God, we thank you. Even though your whole body say, man, I haven't shaken in a while. <laughs> you know, you're right. So, so most of us, we always take prayer in the external form. Right? In the external form. But here... When they observed the prayer life of Jesus, they made one request. Teach us to pray. That means that, it says, as John taught his disciples. That means John taught his disciples to pray in a certain way. Now, when you realize that, when you go down, you now say, he now said to them, when you pray, say. So, Jesus began to teach them what to say in prayer. So, this is my question to you this morning. How were they praying before they asked Jesus to teach them? It means they were praying wrongly. So, is it possible that we could be praying wrongly if we're not taught? Absolutely. You can get into the prayer room, splash a lot of water, and come out dry. So, we have to be taught. And that's why, the, the, the most important thing is this, the church is a place of learning. It's a place of learning. You should come to the church as you would come to a school to learn. So, it says, teach us to pray. They had to ask Jesus to teach them. Now, I was thinking of something. I was thinking of something. Why didn't Jesus call them to teach them? I realized that sometimes in life, you have to have that desire for knowledge. You have to say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to do this. Um, I was explaining something to, to, to my wife on our way back from, from, from Kenya. And that's why I, I want to say this to you. Whenever we travel, it's important that you pray for us. You know, Paul many times asked the church to pray for him. So, this is our first mission trip, everyone. We are getting into Lagos. We had a terrible weather. In, in my couple of years of flying, I've not experienced that kind of weather. <clears throat> in the sense that we got down, we're about to to land, and then the pilot couldn't see the runway, so he started going up again, you know. And when you're flown for a couple of times, then you just know that, um, you know, so the plane started going up, and then we had to go to Cotonou because he couldn't land in Lagos. So we stayed in Cotonou for like an hour, and then uh, the pilot said the weather was clear, we needed to fly back. And we got up, Cotonou to Lagos is like 20 minutes, 10, 10, and uh, we got up about 15 minutes down the flight, he said the bad weather was now coming towards Kotonu. So we had to, you know, escape that weather and go and get into Lagos from the east. So that whole flight of 20 minutes took us another 15 minutes to get into the airport. So there was this lady, uh, and I was very conscious, I was very conscious of my own disposition in that moment, because here the kids are, the kids now have to learn faith. Alright? And you have to make sure that this is their first trip, as it were, doing... <laughs> that you don't want fear to get into their heart. So I was making sure we, we, we were all fine. And there was this lady, I mean, she prayed all kinds of prayers. She led us in prayers. She did this. And I told my wife, I said, listen, so my daughter was playing. Of course, she wasn't aware of what was going on. 
she was playing. So I told my daughter, I said, the way, so I told my wife, I said, the way my daughter is playing, that's the sign of true faith. I said, because she just knows I am here. Uh, the mother is here. She doesn't care. What is weather? <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you saw that when I, when I got back to Nigeria, I, I commended our pilot. It was, it was a, a fantastic story. Now, I was telling my wife, I said, watch that woman praying. She's going to contradict herself right now. Just watch her. She will talk and talk and talk into unbelief. Just watch. So she started praying, praying, praying. After a while, she said, let's pray. God will hear us. We can speak to the weather. So, of course, on our own, we took authority over the weather. We spoke over it. So I told my wife, I said, in this kind of situation, you are not praying to God. You are talking to the weather. God says, speak. So we just said to the weather and we, we, we tried to keep our cool. And then she prayed. Then at the point she said, it's not even by our prayers. I said, Look at what she just said. She said, let's pray. She said, let's pray. Then she says, it's not by our prayers. Which obviously had nullified everything we prayed. And in the whole of that conversation, you could see faith, unbelief. Faith, unbelief. Faith, unbelief. Sometimes, the way to stay in faith in those kind of situations is to keep quiet. And trust the Lord. Amen. Amen. Because whatever prayers you are praying in that situation, if you have not been trained, would always be a prayer of fear. I mean, we went back and forth and all that and all that, and we're here, of course. What am I trying to say? We have to be taught, even on how to have faith. Because I was, I was telling her, I said, if anything had happened, people would say, oh, but they prayed. Yes. But you didn't hear the confession. You didn't hear the declaration. Then she, as we were about to learn, she said, well, we want to thank God. We want to thank God for saving us. You know, because death can come anytime. So I said, no, in the name of Jesus, death cannot come anytime. She said, and we know. But I said, no, in the name of Jesus, death cannot come time. How, that's why pastors get private jets. How do you sit in a, play, in a plane with someone who thinks death can come anytime? At that point, I had to speak up. I said, no, in the name of Jesus, death does not come anytime. Now, what are you saying? You just prayed that God will keep us alive. And now you're telling us death can come anytime. So, why pray in the first place? Why not just accept it that this is your time? Are you following what I'm saying? We have to be taught. We have to be taught. Because in the space of 40 minutes, you've had all kinds of crazy confession. And I want to say this to you as members of this local church. When something happens to anybody, don't blame God. You don't know their confession. Are you following what I'm saying? You don't know their confession. Sometimes we don't know what people are believing. You know, you are, oh, that mighty man of God, what happened? Do you realize in the life of Elijah that Elijah actually prayed that God should take his life? God just, and, and, and you know what happened? After he persisted that God should take his life, what did God tell him? He says, go and anoint someone to take over from you. Sometimes you don't know what people say. As I'm preaching to you, it's only you and God that know where your faith level is. Are you following what I'm saying? 
So how did we get here? Prayer. Prayer. We have to be taught how to pray. You have to learn how to pray. I'll give you an example. Someone is praying the prayer of faith. You're praying over a sick person, for instance. And you say, God, if it is your will. What do you mean by if it is his will? It is his will to get people healed. So praying if it is his will, you're already saying, I'm not sure of your will. So we have to learn. Praise the name of the Lord. I said, praise the name of the Lord. So he says, teach us to pray. How many of us in today's church, if we have a prayer seminar, we would want to come? All right. But if you have season of overflow, <laughs> part one, then you're going to show up. Or what, what, what again? What, what can draw a lot of people? Overcoming the overcoming altars. <laughs> uh, or fighting the fighters. I mean, the whole place is going to be full. I, 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 you know, I was thinking one day, I, I won't do it though, it was just a joke in my head. I was thinking one day that I would do a seminar and I'll title it Three days, long-suffering, patience, and endurance. I'm just wondering, who is going to show up? How do you go to church to learn long-suffering? You know what long-suffering means? You will suffer long, right? That's, that's the Greek word. It means suffering that is going to be long. <laughs> but come on, are these things we should have in our spirit? Yes. 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 Patience, endurance. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. So, teach us to pray. So, we have to be taught how to pray. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. This was the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And please, I want to say this. I know I said it when I was telling the story, but please pay attention to it. Never say that death can come to you anytime. Never say that you don't know when you're going to die. With long life, he will satisfy you and show you his salvation. Can we all say amen to that? Amen. And long life is not 45. I said long life is not 45. Long life is not 50. Long life is not 60. Long life is not 70. At 80, we can begin to have a conversation around that subject. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because he says, with long life, he will satisfy you. Don't say, you don't know when death can come. Death is an appointment we will keep one day. Listen to me. If you have an appointment with someone, don't, won't you know you have an appointment? Can they shift appointments? Can they cancel appointments? I said, can you cancel appointments? Can you shift appointments? Can we agree that appointment with death is cancelled? Let's get some things done. Yes. Praise God. So if you say it's an appointment, well, I choose to cancel mine. Until we can have a conversation around that. Are you following what I'm saying? Let me not say that. Maybe two. Let's go to Mark 1.35. 1, Mark 1, 
You must speak long life. You must decree long life. You must expect it. Hallelujah. Because most times, we plan our life by death instead of life. I get married early so that you can give birth on time. So that when you die, someone will, will bear your name. Build a house in the village so that when you die, they'll have somewhere to bury you. How can you be setting all your goals by death? Are you following what I'm saying? Jesus Christ has come that we might have life and have it how? Come and I said, Jesus has come that we might have life and have it how? More abundantly. Have it in the overflow. Mark chapter 1 and verse... Let's start reading from verse 32. Mark 1, 32. At the evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. You know, when I, when I was studying this scripture, I realized that Jesus had a, a ministry to the multitudes. You know, sometimes in our life, we can just contend to be small. But can you see this? It says, the whole city was gathered at his door. Come on, everybody say the whole city. The whole city. Oh, say it one more time. Say the whole city. the whole city. Come on, we have to believe God for the whole city to come hear the gospel. Amen. We're gathered at his door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And I like this one. He did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Jesus wasn't asking the demons to introduce him because that's almost what we're doing right now. He, he commanded them not to speak. When you come in contact with demons, <clears throat> listen carefully to me, do not interview them, cast them out. Can I repeat that? When you come in contact with demons, what is God's command to you? Cast them out. Do not what? Do not interview them. Demons, listen carefully to me now. Demons do not validate your call. Jesus does. A demon can say you're anointed. It's not valid. Are you following what I'm saying? So he did not allow them to speak because they knew him. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. So, so let's look at this now. Let's look at this together. If I say you got up a long while before daylight, what, what time of the day would that be? Like at about what time? Before daylight. How many of you did geography? Before daylight will be what? Three between three, maybe three to four. Okay, so let's, let's agree that Jesus got up at 3 a.m. He got up right before daylight. He went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. So obviously, we will just agree that probably they started searching for him when they woke up. So let's say about six o'clock. So let's say between three and six, Jesus went out to pray. But I want you to pick something right here. I want you to pick something right here. And this is a lesson that the Lord is teaching me that I want you to learn. <clears throat> he says, the whole city gathered at his door. 
He healed many people. And this was just a miracle meeting that had just happened. You know what Jesus did after that meeting? He didn't go back and say, man, we had a good time today. I just want to chill. I just want to rest. In studying the prayer life of Jesus, you know what I observed about Jesus? After major breakthroughs and miracles, he gave himself to prayer. You know what we learned from that? Don't, listen carefully. Don't miss this. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Ask your neighbor, are you listening? Ask them one more time, are you listening? <clears throat> now listen to this. After every major success, give yourself to intense prayer. The response, listen to this, don't miss it. The response of a believer to success is prayer. So, they gave you promotion in your office. The first response is not a party. What's the first response? Prayer. Prayers. You came back, we, we finished a Sunday service like this, and the whole place was packed full. What is our first response? Not to check the offering. What's our first response? Prayers. I didn't hear you. What's our first response? Prayers. Prayers. The believer's response to success is prayer. Your salary hits your account. What's your first response? Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, no, pastor, it's not prayer. <laughs> so that God will not tell me to sue it. <laughs> and you know, this is not a prayer. I'll say, Father, I thank you. That's not it. We've calculated the time. At least he gave himself to three hours of prayer. So he wasn't just thanking God for the things that happened. You know what I realized? This was one of the secrets of the humility of Jesus. Because how many of you know success can get into our head? Oh, come on. Money can get into our head. So I say this. I say the place of prayer is a place of sanity for the believer. To live sane in an insane world, you need to be in the place of prayer. So you achieve, there's a major achievement in your life. Major promotion. Major breakthrough. You just completed that house. Listen, we didn't say you are praying so that the enemies will not take your success. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That's not why we, we are praying. Jesus wasn't praying so that enemies will not fight him. It is just that we respond to success by prayers. And I'm just, I'm really learning this. Because the, the way I also grew up is not bad. We were taught to respond to these things with what? Thanksgiving and celebration. But I'm just learning. And I'll show you again. As we read on, that after a major miracle by Jesus, major stuff, he went back into the place of prayer. He went back into the place of prayer. But let's look at the life of Jesus. He got up early to pray. The question I want to ask is this. What was Jesus praying? We won't deal with that today. But I just want to see that Jesus took time to pray. Listen, he was the son of God. He could cast out devils. He could multiply bread. He could multiply food. He could make fish to come on a net. He could speak to fig tree. He could get money from the mouth of fish. So what was Jesus praying? It shows us that prayer is not just about needs. Prayer is what? Communication. It's a place of fellowship. Is a place of learning from God. If our prayers are just need-based, 
what's going to happen is that we will get tired easily. But if it's a place of fellowship, what will happen? We will just enjoy spending time talking to God. The response of the believer to success is prayer. Learn to give yourself to prayer. Learn to get up early and pray. Learn it. You know, at, at, when, when God began to release the grace message, one of the things that we began to say was, you know, uh, it's, it's finished. We just acknowledge the finished work of Christ. It's not how long you pray. And that began to breed laziness. Yeah. Some of us can hardly pray for three hours on the stretch. And, and you know, some of you wonder, so what will we be saying? You know how some of you just cut short your prayer life? Father, I just thank you. I know you know everything. Who am I to tell you what you already know? <laughs> oh, God, I know it everything. And then, some of you will say, and I'll talk, talk to you about that. One of the reasons I don't do all nights. There's nothing wrong with all nights. But you know one of the reasons I don't do all nights? Because people come to all night by, when does your all night start? Those of you that used to go to all night. I know some of you still go from, from here. <laughs> uh, those of you that used to go to prayer houses. Let's consult you now. When do you start all night? Ten. Then you close when? Uh-huh. Solid. She has the timetable. I, I know some of you still go. <laughs> so, 10 to 4. Now, now, simple. 10 to 4. Do you pray from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock? No. Don't worry. We'll ask you for the, for the schedule of activities. But then you come by 10. You start singing till 11. Special number till 12. Then you pray from 12 till 1. There's special anointing. Uh, the time where you drink oil from 1 to 2. Then you sprinkle salt from 2 to 2.30. Then you kill enemies. You guys just wasted your time. You didn't pray. If we're going to have all night in this church, you better be ready. If it is 10 to 4, then we are praying non-stop from 10 to 4. That's what it means. And that's why I don't do it. That's why I don't do it. If we're coming for a worship all night, let's be clear. You know, saying that I'm going for prayer meeting and spending half of the time singing is self-deception. Those of you who were here yesterday when we, when we announced the women prayer meeting, we started by 4.30, we closed by 6. 4.30, we started praying till 6. One hour, 30 minutes. It's a prayer meeting. There's no less open the service. It wasn't closed. Are you following what I'm saying? We're going to see that in the life of Jesus. What I'm trying to teach you is this. You have to learn to spend hours in prayer. Come on, somebody say hours. hours. Move away from this 15 minutes praying. And when, when I preached in Kenya, I told them. I timed them. I, I mean, I always have my timer with me. So I told them we're going to pray for 30 minutes. And I put it on. And we're praying as I was leading the young people. 12 minutes, they were tired. So I looked, I told them, I said, it's just only 12. We still have some time to go. There's nothing wrong in timing yourself. I said, listen, I'm going to spend 30 minutes here praying. 
And when you look up, it's not up to repeat all the prayer points you have prayed before. Discipline your flesh to stay in the place of prayer. If not, your prayer life will dwindle until you can't even pray for 10 minutes. And, and I want to warn those of you, this is a warning. <laughs> those of you who say, well, I just pray when I'm just having my bath, I just talk to my father, you are not ready. Is an excuse for laziness. Jesus could have prayed when he was having his bath. Or you think Jesus did not bath? Because he didn't record it in the scripture. You think you're having a savior who didn't bath for three and a half years? No. He could have prayed when he was eating. You can't just say, well, I just pray on my way to work. As I'm just driving to work, I just commune with God. No, sir. The Bible says, he went out. And departed to what? A solitary place. Learn to separate yourself to prayer. You want to pray. And I'm not talking about family devotion. Jesus wasn't having devotion with his disciples here. There's a place for that. You have a visitor's room. Separate yourself to that visitor's room and pray. And let me explain this to you. Learn to, learn to train your children to respect your prayer time. If you don't train your children to respect your prayer time, they will not respect prayer. Because I know for some of you, as you are praying, oh God, this is the, yeah, yeah, your child come. Mommy, I want biscuits. Oh, Father, we thank you. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Which one do you want? <laughs> Which one do you want? I want Belosi. Oh, Father, we just bless you. Oh, God, don't disturb me. I'm praying. We thank you for... Take Belosi. I am praying. I you know those kind of children. Oh, we want Rabina. Oh, glory, glory. What do you want again, Rabina? Don't disturb me. I've told you I'm praying. You are, you are joking. You are cooking and you are praying. It's good to do that. You are praying. Oh, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. There's no sort in this too. Father, we are, we are grateful, Jesus. Oh, who are we? Unworthy. That's why you start calling yourself all kinds of names. I'm unworthy clay. I'm, oh God, I'm foolish, but I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Separate yourself to prayers. Train your family. Train your children to respect your time of prayer. And you know what will happen? They will grow up valuing prayers. Even as husbands, as your wife is praying, that's not when to ask where the knife is. Wait until she's done. You are not God. Oh, my child, if I'm praying, the child just disturbs. You see, <laughs> you know, we have children church. My, my, my parents are pastors. I didn't grow up in children's class. You know, children's church just came in. You know when churches had benches? I mean, this generation is blessed. When I say this, people think I'm very old. Please, I'm not. <laughs> you know, in those days of churches with benches, how many of you went to churches with benches? You sat on a bench. <laughs> your salvation is real. <laughs> As the authentic one. <laughs> you know, my mom would sit on the bench and I'll be here. That was your children's church. You don't move to the right. You know, when Paul, when, when I read about Peter in prison, and he says he was bound hand and foot, 
I don't need Bible history to understand it. In that place, you don't move. And I tell you, if you do something and my mom <laughs> blesses you with a knock, if you cry out, and because of her, people turned. You, you just say, Lord, let this preacher preach forever. Because you are gone. When you get home, they will give you food because of the things they have planned for you. To be able to receive them, they will give you food. You will eat. Then she will allow you to sleep. Then she will wake you up. And say, so let's go back to the service. And so we were trained to reverence the presence of God. And that's something I still like about the Orthodox Church. Because even though some of us charismatic, we get into the presence of God. And there's no sense of reverence. It's almost like we can do anything. We must train ourselves to separate ourselves unto prayer. Have a place of prayer. Amen. Take out days to pray. Can I say something to you? You have rented hotels to rest. Can you rent a hotel to just pray? Can you rent a guest house to just pray? And say, I'm taking time off. I just want to pray. Can you separate yourself and say, I'm going to go off social media for two days and I'm giving myself to prayer. Let's read something again. In Luke chapter 5. Are you learning something this morning? Talk to me. Are you learning something this morning? Luke chapter 5. And verse 16. Luke 5, 16. Let's look at verse 15. Look at this. Luke chapter 5 and verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. Look at this. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Great multitudes came together. But what did Jesus do? Look at this. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I want you to look at the word often. If we have any other translation, you can put it up. But he constantly, some translation says he frequently, come on, say frequently. So this is not once in a while. This was a habit. Separating himself to prayer was a habit. Look at this. He often withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. I mean, there's, there's a funny thing I see on social media now. And sometimes I, I'm just embarrassed. You see oh, a minister of the gospel go to a mountain and, and kneel down and raise his hand. And say, I'm praying for you on Mount, uh, on Mount this. I don't understand it. Do you give people the camera and say, I'm about to pray? Now, you see, if you're not careful, Facebook will make you very childish. How do you go pray and you have the pictures all over the place? In fact, I, I read one. Uh, the guy was crying. So he snapped himself. Say, oh, my tears on this mountain will answer for you. So I'm, I'm wondering, you are crying and you have the time to set the selfie. You understand that? 
And that's how casual we've become in prayer. Even when we separate ourselves to pray, we want people to know that we are praying. So let's say, for instance, you get into a hotel to pray. You are praying loud so that you know that this person in room 117 is a prayer warrior. And that's why some of you, your landlord drove you out of your house. It's not because you are wicked. It's because you are constituting a nuisance. Or you are going to stay with someone. You stay in someone's house. They put you in the visitor's room. Then because I have taught Jesus got up by 3 a.m. You now, you now, in the spirit of the message, by 3 o'clock, you start shouting. Offering your prayers with vehement cries and tears. Like Jesus. You know, they'll put you in the next boat, right? You say, when did you say you were going? They say, ah, they are persecuting me for righteousness. No, it's for foolishness. You don't say because you're separating yourself onto prayer. And that is why I believe Jesus went to the wilderness. Why? Because he wanted time alone. Above all, your prayer life is not to disturb people. Please. That's why I have never sanctioned um, 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 churches having horn speakers. Oh, we want everybody to know. Preach the gospel to them. So Jesus separated himself. But what I want you to pick from this verse is he did it how often? Often. Regularly. Regular separations. If Jesus would do this, what about us? Look at this verse. So he himself. So this is not talking about people. This is not with his disciples. This was a personal habit. You know how I know that you, are, you can pray? is when you can pray alone for a long time. If we are praying together, all of us, it's easy for everybody to go long. It's when you are on your own. You know, sometimes when you kneel down to pray, you just remember the soup you haven't cooked, the money you are owing. How many of you have, have remembered that? You're just praying. At the point, you just forgot why you were praying. You just get up and say, I, I will pray again. Because you're just remembering who you are owing, who did not come, who everything. You're just remembering. And that's why you must spend time praying until your spirit breaks forth into the realm of prayer. Hallelujah. Are you learning something from this? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Matthew 14 verse 22. Hallelujah. Wow. Jesus had a habit of prayer. We must cultivate a habit of prayer. Let's be men and women of prayer. Let's learn to rely on the Spirit. John Wesley said, I have so much to do today. I have to spend the first three hours in prayer. If we spend time in prayer, God will begin to give us wisdom. God will begin to speak to us. God will begin to correct us. God will begin to adjust us. This is not just prayer of asking or killing. This is a prayer of fellowship. Just learning from the Father. Spending time with God. Relying less on ourselves, but relying more on God. Prayer shows your dependence on God. Prayer shows your leaning on God. It's amazing how much we can, we can get accomplished in this life through the force of prayer. And that's why it's amazing when you hear even believers say, 
oh, the, the, the situation of Nigeria is not by prayers. Prayers will not count in elections. INEC is not counting prayers. Of course, INEC doesn't have the capacity to count prayers. Only God should and can. We don't do one and neglect the other. We carry out our civic responsibilities, but listen to this. It is abominable for believers to play down on praying for our nation. You don't know. If you understand some of the things going on in this country, you will realize that only prayers have even kept us this far. So it is shameful for a believer to say, we are not just praying, we want action. The believer's action is prayers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said what? The believer's action is what? Is prayers. If you're a man of prayer, there are certain things you will not utter. If I see a man who has given up on our nation, I see a man who has not been praying for the nation. You cannot pray for someone and give up on them. Do we get frustrated? Absolutely. Does it look sometimes like things are not working? Absolutely. But we're looking at the God who answers prayers. We can change our nation and the nations of the earth by the force of prayer. Someone say amen. amen. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Can we start reading from verse 20? So they all had it and were filled. Remember... This was the feeding of the 4,000 people and they ate. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. I like, I like this, uh, the fact that Jesus gathered the fragments. And I want to just say this. This is, this is free. This is bonus to the message. Learn to gather the fragments of your life. Don't be somebody who is wasteful. And this is, this, I'm going to be practical on this. Learn to train your children not to waste food. And you yourself don't waste food. Alright? Jesus had finished feeding. And the fragments, I mean, 4,000 people ate. Come on. How many of you know if we feed 4,000 people, what are the fragments? For some of us, the fragments are signs that we are rich. No. That's not what the Lord has taught us. Learn to be frugal. Learn to gather the fragments. Train yourself against waste. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Train yourself against what? Against waste. Because sometimes when there's abundance, we waste a lot. And the things you are wasting can actually take care of families. I had to, I had to, I had to train my kids. You know, what do you want to eat? Uh, I want to eat uh, spaghetti. Okay. Then you go to the kitchen. You cook spaghetti, cook spaghetti. As you are bringing it, oh, I don't like the smell of spaghetti. What I want is indomie. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know all those kind of laughter that you keep the food and spend some time to laugh? You just laugh. And if the, if the, if the, if the child is wise, before you return, they would have started eating. There's no, you, won't, you don't have to like the smell. That's one thing. You don't have, are you hungry? It's either you are hungry or not. And sometimes we looked at these things as, oh, it's too much discipline. That's why the children have psychological issues. They won't have any psychological issues. Trust me. Trust me on this one. You don't like the smell? No problem. Close your nose and eat. You don't have to. 
You know, children need to, to learn to have choice. There are some things you don't have choice. It's because you are not hungry. Have you seen where you just eat because there's food? Not because you have choice. And even as the Lord had blessed us, we must also train ourselves to gather the fragments. Financial fragments. So Jesus gathered it. Like I said, that's free. That remained. Now those who were eating were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Wow. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side where he sent the multitudes away. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Can you see Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. Massive miracle happened. Come on, what did I say is the believer's response to success? Prayer. Prayer. What did Jesus do? He prayed. Come on, how many of us know if as a church we just feed 5,000 people? Man. You know where I'm going to be as a pastor of the church, conducting interviews. Yes, yeah, so how did you feel in go? Well, by the grace of God, just 5,000. You can ask them. You can ask them. <laughs> you want to reach the world? You want to... No, that's not the response of the believer. Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. Can we adopt this that in our life, after every major success, we give ourselves to prayer? And look at this. Let's read this again. Look at this. Now when evening came, he was alone there. So that means he prayed for a long time. One thing I want you to see is, after every major success, Jesus wasn't just praying, Oh God, I just thank you because you have used me to feed 5,000 people. Oh God, you will use me more. I give you the glory. No. You can't be there all evening. I said and I repeat, prayer is where the believer maintains sanity. You know why some of us, the more God prospers us, the more proud we become? We don't spend time in prayer. So every time the Lord does something for us, our ego goes up. Every time something happens, our ego goes up. If you spend time in prayer, the Lord will keep you humble. If you see a proud man, he's a man who doesn't spend time with God. You can't communicate with God and walk in pride. It's not possible. You can't. Look at how Jesus responded. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He prayed. And if, of all the scriptures I've given to you, you can go back and study them. You discover again that immediately after this, there was a release of power. And you know, immediately after this, he got on the boat, and then that's when the sea, the, the wind, let's just read it quickly. Now when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, so he started praying till the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Where did the power to walk on the sea come from? The place of prayer. The one we read in the book of Luke, the Bible says, and when he was teaching, the power of God was present to him. I'm going to teach on this on Wednesday. In the place of prayer, we release power for the impossible. Look at this. And, they, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Oh, imagine that you're on local boats around 
Nine o'clock in the night. And you see a man walking on the sea. <laughs> I mean, some of you will drown before the man even take your first step. That's to tell you the, the disciples were also human. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on water. Praise the Lord. I know some guys would have said, Peter. Peter. <laughs> That's why we say you should not join us in the beginning when Jesus was calling people. You want to join a ghost. But you say, if we keep sitting in the boat, we'll never see the miraculous. Some of us need to take steps of faith to step on water. Amen. I believe in Peter's mind. He was saying, well, whether I step on water or not, this is a ghost. We will still die. So let me just take the choice. Amen. So after great success and miracles, Jesus' response was intercession of prayers. He prayed alone. He withdrew himself to pray. He prayed for very long hours. He got up early to pray. These are some of the things we can learn from the life of Jesus. I'm going to continue with this on Wednesday and on Tuesday. Please make sure you're in the meetings. The prayer life of Jesus. I want you to just evaluate this morning and, and look at your life. Where do you need to make adjustments? When last did you get up early to just spend time in prayer? Yourself. This is a call to prayer. It's a call to prayer. It's a call to prayer. Hallelujah. Let's just be on our faith. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575 God bless you.